Well, what's up, Restoration? This is Justin, and uh, coming to you today a few days after Sunday. Um, this past Sunday, we actually had a bit of a, a different weekend. Uh, we had a kind of a family meeting, and we met around tables, we talked, we had conversation, and these conversations were really around the kind of culture we want to have as a church, uh, namely around leadership, around empowering people for uh, the ministry that, that God has called them to. Um, and as a part of our, our larger series called Restore, which is about our four core identities, which are, are we are disciples, we are family, we are welcoming, and we are generous. And so we're finishing that up next week. But we wanted to take a week, a quick sidebar, and talk about the kind of, of culture of empowerment we want to have as a church. Uh, we recognize that over the last few decades that uh, the... <laughs> The belief in leadership and institutions, uh, there's been a bit of an erosion of trust, to say the least, because we've seen failures and acts of power and coercion. We've seen it in politics and schools. We've seen it a lot in churches. Almost everywhere we turn where there's powerful people, we've seen that power abused. And so a lot of us, we're suspicious at best, and some of us are, are downright antagonistic um, towards organizations and institutions and leadership in general. And so as a pastor, I just want you to know I understand these issues. I've seen them up close and personal. I've been hurt in situations dealing with folks in power. I've, in 15 years, done plenty of hurting myself. Um, you know, I've hurt feelings and, and, and made mistakes and sinned against people and had to repent as, as a leader. And so we wanted to start this church two years ago with a culture of transparency and accountability in terms of the way that we lead. Um, and, and as we started, that was a, a paramount value. We want to be healthy. We want to be accountable, transparent in our leadership. And so what we did this past Sunday was talk about what leadership looks like for us. We talked about the biblical role of elders, and we met our elders. Our elders, um, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, our elders are myself, uh, Walt Rohr, um, Brian May, Kelly Gore, Larmory Thompson, and Chad Bowman. Um, and those are folks that we're really excited. I'm really excited to serve alongside. If you don't know what an elder is, um, it's just a word. There's another word in the scriptures is overseer, pastor. These are the folks that are, are called to lead God's church. And in 1 Timothy 3, we see the, the requirements for what this looks like to be an elder. What it, it's a picture of this. And so I want to look at that real quick. 1 Timothy 3, it says this is the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace in the devil's trap. So what Paul is telling Timothy there is, is a lot. There's a lot of things you could break down about these verses, but if you summed it all up, God's vision for elders is to have godly character and leadership competency. It's not one or the other. It's not either or. God is desiring for the leaders of the church to have the character of Jesus being developed in them, but also the competency in leadership to move people forward. And so how do we lead as people of character and people of competency 
The Bible is very clear about what our role is. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul, again, he's writing here, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Now, I don't know if you caught that. This is massive for us. Our job as elders is not to get you, convince you to give money and give time to equip us to do the works of the ministry. In a healthy setting, in a healthy church, what the scriptures tell us is the leaders of the church are called not to be equipped, to be the equippers. We are the ones who to, or to equip the people of God to do the works of the ministry. To get those two backwards is so, so massive. And, and to understand that our calling as ordinary people in the church is to do the works of the ministry. It's not for the professional Christians. It's for all of us. And our job as elders, as leaders, is to equip you, just ordinary people in their jobs, in their homes, in their schools, to do the work of God right where they are. That's what we want to aim toward as a church. That's what we believe is a healthy culture where people are coming alive in their giftings and their callings, moving toward what we saw in Ephesians 4. We're moving towards unity and maturity. So for us, a growing, a healthy church isn't defined by how many people are in the room on Sunday, even though that's great. But for us, it's how many people are living into their calling of God every single day of the week. That's our dream for you. Whether you're a single mom or a doctor or a student, grandparents, rich, poor, black, white, we want unity through the equipping and the empowering of every believer. That excites me. That gets me pumped up even thinking about that. So what we did this past Sunday was we broke up in the tables and we talked about that. We introduced one another. Uh, We met some folks that we didn't meet before, and we talked through the implications of that and what that looks like after we met our elders. And, And what we came across as we were having these conversations is that we understood that we're at our best as a church when everyone plays a part, big or small. And really, there's no small part in the church. There's, there's roles that look bigger than others, but all of us have an important part to play in the body of Christ to build us up towards unity and maturity. That doesn't mean that God is calling everyone in our church to be preachers or worship leaders or to be in full-time ministry. All of us are called to the ministry of our everyday lives, of living out the gospel where we are. In fact, it's better news to our city. Instead of all of us being called to be preachers in a church setting for an hour on Sunday, what we really need are doctors and lawyers and teachers and moms and ordinary people understanding how in their lives where they are, they are the vessel for the kingdom of God right there in their ordinary lives. So how do we find our unique calling? Well, the way we, we talk about this is that we, we found our unique calling. We find it at the intersection of God's mission, of our unique giftings and, and, and passions, and then the needs that we see before us. When we put those three together, when we understand by the leading of the Holy Spirit, understanding God's mission, which is his mission of restoration in the world, of bringing his kingdom to bear, of making all things new. When we understand that, and then we tie that together with looking at ourselves inwardly, it's seeing 
Where am I naturally gifted? What am I passionate about? What passions has God given me? And then looking outward, looking at, at my neighborhood, looking at my church, looking at my city, looking at the world, and seeing the needs that are before me. When I connect those three dots there, God's mission, my giftings and passions, and the needs that are in front of me, that gives us a direction, a bit of clarity about where God might be sending us to serve. So that maybe does look like singing or speaking or teaching at a church, but more than likely, it's far more practical. Like, can you fix cars? Are you good with budgets? Do you love having people in your home? Are you great with kids? Uh, Can you fix things? Do basic house projects? Are you just a good listener? Uh, Just good with conversation? Um, What are the giftings and skills that just come out of you naturally? Those are most, most often a place where God wants to meet you and bring his kingdom to bear in your ordinary life. So when we see these in the context of God's greater mission and we connect them to the needs around us and what's inside of us, inside and outside the church, that's what we see as a healthy culture. There's, there's so many examples we're seeing already in our church of, of how student ministry is getting started, of pampering pathways, of, of even our college ministry that's just now getting out of the ground, off the ground with, with a, a city group on UK's campus where people are just looking around and seeing the needs in front of them, seeing the giftings and the passions that God has given them, and then seeing that in light of God's mission. And people are walking into God's calling in that way. It's amazing. I love Frederick Buechner says that the, the place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So with that in mind, as we think this through, I want to encourage you right where you are if you're listening to this, what are those giftings and passions that are laying inside you, maybe even dormant right now, that you thought, that's not something God uses, that's just me. How might your ordinary giftings and passions, seen in light of God's mission, seen in light of the needs that are all around you, maybe bring to light where God may be leading you to serve? See, the the, the hope we have is that as you listen to this, as you spend time at restoration, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have a part to play. I have something that this body needs. We are at our best, not when a few people do the ministry. We are at our best when everybody gets to play a part. So I want to encourage you, right where you are, pray about that. Ask God to not only reveal his greater mission of restoration in this world to you, but to see how he can meet you in the giftings and the passions that you already have and ask him to open your eyes to what that looks like. Online, where we have this on our blog, where we link our, our podcast every week, we're going to have some, that not only the image we use to show this, um, the, the intersection of God's mission, our passions, and the needs before us, but we're going to have a link to a form. If you want to fill out and give people an understanding of maybe where you might want to serve, whether that be inside or outside the walls of the church, I want to encourage you to fill out that form. Many, many, many people did this past Sunday at church as we were talking around tables, and some exciting things are coming about because of that, because people are recognizing, wow, God can use me just in the ordinary stuff of my own life. And so I encourage you to do that. Click on those links and do that as well. We will see you this Sunday as we finish out our Restore series with our last core identity. Cannot wait to see you there.